Check your trim set. Check your heading north. Light heading is 074. Check your altimeter set. 2946. Corrected center point elevation. Zero feet. Check your barrel and zero. Check your SDS 1230, 3034. Check your field. Check your speed up. Lights out. Welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Bob, oh, oh, up and away, done. Two soldiers, five. We on the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Bob. Clear for takeoff. Check your parker brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half square face. Left turn out. Let's run them up. Both brakes now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, the renegade aviator, and I've got a special guest today, someone who was an aviator, someone who's had big goals and dreams in aviation, and like all of us in aviation, has had the challenges to go along with the big gnarly goals. I'd like to introduce Beth Ruggiero, the author of a brand new book coming out October 14th called Flying Alone. Beth, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. Thank you, Dave. Great to be here. Beth, tell us a little bit about your book and a little bit about why the book and uh, why should people stand by because they're going to get a chance to get this book for their very own. Well, the book actually was written, the core of it was written about 30 years ago. And that's when I started or stopped flying. I was not able to continue because I was given a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis and that ended having a medical because of the medications I would be on. So when my career as a pilot ended, I'd just been with the airlines for one year, but I knew I wanted to record everything that had gone on because it had been in a remarkable journey, not necessarily an easy journey, but a quite a remarkable one. And I started writing. And uh, when I was done writing, I looked at it and I said, you know what? I'm going to put this aside and someday I'm going to go back to it. Well, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, about a year or two ago, I I finally went back to it. But it's the story of my climb uh, in the aviation world in the 1980s and uh, starting out wanting to join the Navy, but ended up starting out at the local airport and going through the whole process of private instrument and commercial and multi-engine and instructor and all the way through to flying for the airlines. That's what I really liked about it. When I was reading through the manuscript that you sent me, and thank you for that, it brought back memories for me because that relative same time frame, you know, back when uh, you had to actually work really hard to get paid to fly in aviation as opposed to today, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Is it different today? I don't know. (laughs) It is. I just flew with a young man who, a couple months after uh, getting his pilot license, you know, he's expecting to go become an airline pilot. And I said, son, you don't know. You don't know what you're in for. Your book outlines that so well that I think anyone listening that maybe hasn't started yet in aviation or even people that have, have been doing it a long time, it brings back memories for us. Uh, more seasoned pilots, and I think it's a great primer for the people getting started. So so thanks for that. Your goal was to become an airline pilot, correct? 
Correct. Yes. And I just turned my sights to that and was full force ahead of during those years, taking some chances, doing some stupid things, but also working really hard. And it was quite a time. You still have to go through all your licenses and ratings. But hopefully uh, some of the Part 135 companies are a little bit more legit these days. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> not, not that I want to impugn any 135 maybe, maybe companies. Not, <laughs> so you had a couple of challenges, a couple of setbacks, and that's what struck out to me is that we all have our own journey, and this really is your journey, um, and our journeys may be slightly different. But to me, it was a wake-up call to anybody that keep on going, that persist. And right. you tell it in a very, in a story. It's not, it's not an instructional book. It's a story. Exactly. It is a story. And also to highlight what flying was like in the 1980s and um, if you were starting from the ground up. But yeah, there were challenges. The first challenge, very first challenge, was that before I even started to fly, when I had just graduated from college in 84, I was given diagnosis of MS, but it was a probable diagnosis. They couldn't give a definitive diagnosis at that time for a couple of reasons, but mainly because it hadn't happened multiple times. And also MRIs did not exist back then. So anyway, that was my first one, but I was hell-bent. I'm going to learn to fly. And I, there were some arguments in the family with my mother and my brother about whether to disclose this medical probable diagnosis and uh, what ended up happening because I wanted to join the Navy. I started at the local airport, but I knew that the Navy was going to give me the best training I could ever hope for. And I was gung-ho for that. I went to my recruiter in Boston. She led me through the whole process. I passed all the tests. I was ready to go. And then I had to have physical. And I, had, I told them what happened. And um, she took me to uh, the Naval Air Station down in Rhode Island in Newport, I think it is. And the examiner took a close look at me. I had had, what I had had was an optic neuritis. And, uh, but he said, you know what? I don't see anything wrong with your eye. I don't see any scarring or damage. He said, but you are too much of a liability. We can't take you. I was devastated. But because I was so determined to fly, I said, okay, I'm just going back to the local airport and continue with what I was doing, and I'm going to do it that way. But that's key, right? Because how many people listening right now get one little setback, and this is a pretty big setback you had, but would have quit right there? Imagine if you quit right there, you wouldn't be writing a book. You wouldn't have had what you were able to accomplish and um, that, I think, is key, is that keep going. That's a constant tone through your book. It is true. I'm not one to be to give up easily. And when the flying career did end, it was legit. I, it was that. I had enjoyed what I had done, but I did have a lot of obstacles. And not just the initial one. It was the whole trip through the 80s and the flying and the building of hours, et cetera, was challenging. <laughs> right on. Right and on. anybody else who's been through that knows what I'm talking about. Exactly. And maybe that's where we'll, we'll pick up right after this first break. Some of those challenges, the early learning challenges in aviation, kind of getting started when you don't know what questions to ask and you don't know what's in store. Look, I want to nudge you a little bit to find the small local airports all over this great nation. You will be amazed at what you'll find. You'll be welcomed. 
For those of you with a dream of flying, I encourage you to take a flight. Did you know that you don't even need to be a pilot to fly? You can just take an airplane ride. Just show up at the local airport and ask. If you get stuck, call my office, 888-366-5256. I will help you. If you want to learn to fly just for fun, there is an efficient way to do it. And I think it gets overlooked, flying just for fun. Hey, there's a shortage of professional pilots right now. So we need professional pilots, but we often get lost in just that one aspect. So if you're an aspiring commercial pilot, and if you need some mentorship, give me a call, 888-366-5256. I can help you. But there's flying just for fun, a hobby, mild to wild. Flying as a hobby. For those of you that just want to fly for the fun of it, there's a way to get involved that is nowhere near as expensive as you may think. Aviation offers something for almost anyone. Aircraft can be simple and easy to fly, to rent, to share, or to own. Aviation can take you anywhere your dreams can imagine. If you need assistance in making those dreams come true, call me, 888-366-5256. I am here to be of service to my fans, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. If you do decide to leave, you will not be allowed access back on board, and parachutes are not included. Here at Frontier Airlines, we like to keep up with all the latest fashion trends. In the event that this flight becomes a cruise, all of you lucky people get your own itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikinis beneath your seat. Minus the itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, and you get no polka dots. Once you're outside the aircraft, pull down sharply on the red tab that's on the front. Or for those of you who love to make life difficult, you can blow into that red tube near your shoulder to blow. I mean inflate. The beautiful bikini is equipped with a water-activated light. How in the world that works, I have no idea. So if you figure it out, please do let me know. We promote aviation, ladies and gentlemen. There are opportunities for pilots, mechanics, engineers, air traffic controllers, and all kinds of support staff in aviation. Interested in a career in aviation but don't know where to start? Give me a call. 888-366-5256. Leave a message. We will call you back and do our best to help you on your new career in aviation. 888-366-5256. the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, segment two with Beth Ruggiero, Flying Alone, the author of Flying Alone, a book that you can buy starting October 14th. And if you call my office, 888-366-5256, I will give you an update when that book is due. And I will also, as always, send you my free Renegade Aviator decal, team decal for the air shows, the ugly guy with the skull. That's me. (laughs) Beth, (laughs) as we've been talking here, coming out of that first break, getting started in aviation, being the new kid on the block back in the 80s. uh, Tell us a little bit about some of those good times. It was interesting. And I was completely coming in blind. I came from, just graduated from college. It was a very academic background. And then suddenly I'm doing something mechanical and completely opposite of my uh, education. (laughs) And what I learned quickly was that you just have to immerse yourself in it. And that's what I did. And I did that by getting a job at the flight school where I was learning to fly as the line person. So I drove the fuel truck and kept airplanes full and washed the bellies of the airplanes and did all that stuff to make some money. Not much, but make a little money while this whole thing was going on in the early stages. But the challenges in terms of flying and what it was like in those early days of my career really shaped my career. And a lot of that had to do with my flight instructor, who was very kind of a renegade in a way. And who Kate told me to fly by the seat of my pants, but also there was the time when he said, okay, yeah, you learned to use a checklist, but here at New England Flyers, we don't use checklists in the real world flying. You know it, it's in your head, you know it by heart. And when it needs to come out, it comes out. And I was just, this was halfway into my private and this just blew my mind. So... (laughs) How was that initial reception? So uh, here's what I hear a lot from people. That aviation is closed, that it's hard to get into, that people are not welcoming. Did you find that to be the case? Were you welcomed and encouraged by your peers and the airport bums that hang out at airports that I include myself (laughs) in the airport bums? (laughs) Yeah, I was. And the fact that I was working there as the line person, that helped to bring me into the fold. I wasn't just somebody who showed up once a week for a lesson. It was almost like a family, the flight school. And yes, the airport bums, the airport bums were great. They were there every single day and evening. And uh, they were retired airline pilots, retired navigators, or just people who like who were building home builds in their garage at home. But it was a very supportive environment. The man I worked for was Rod Gorham, an amazing man. He was uh, from Canada. He was a Canadian uh, Royal Air Force pilot in World War II, and he had been a prisoner of war. Uh, But he was quite a character, but he also was uh, very supportive of me. I didn't have any clashes. I think people don't realize, no matter what walk of life we're in, how much influence we can have over somebody. So here you were young person that was taking that first step. This is what we tell people, right? If you want to fly or if you want to do anything, I don't care if it's ballet, show up, right? Show up at the uh, airport. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Stand around. Show up pe- in, in every way that you can show up. <laughs> yeah. You didn't want to fuel airplanes for a living, I'm sure, but you were willing to do that dirty work that had to give you clout, that had to give you respect from an early point. 
I think it did. Uh, yes, I was out there doing whatever I needed to do. And it wasn't always easy because it was an old truck with didn't have power steering and all that good stuff and getting up on the ladder to so you can fuel the high wings. But it, I was also the first female line person that they had ever had there on that side of the airport. The airport was Beverly Airport in Massachusetts north of Boston. And um, I've been there. there's two sides to the airport, but that side of the airport, they'd never had a female line person. So it was kind of a novelty. They backed me up. And I want to say that I had that backup all through my adventures. See, that's a key point. What I noticed about your book, it was you're speaking as just a pilot, not a woman pilot or a guy pilot. It's just a pilot going through the same thing. So guys and girls and and young or old, we can all relate to that because it's a very similar struggle. You know, there's obviously differences, but that's what I liked about reading that is that anybody can identify with this book. It, it kind of took you back to that small local airport, especially in the early flight training, right? Kind of those good old days when you're just flying around yeah. and something yeah. simple. <laughs> yes, it is. It's so simple. It's so exciting. It's so new and you're having fun. You haven't had any scares yet, and that's (laughs) um, kind of a virgin portion of pilothood. (laughs) It is. It is. Very, very, very naive at that point, right? And you're right. That, <laughs> yeah, very, you don't know what you don't know. And the instructor, I say this to all the young instructors out there, you have no idea the influence you're going to have on people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, huge. It really is huge. Well, Beth, we're going to come right back. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. Beth Ruggiero, the author of Flying Alone, that's uh, coming out on October the 14th. And this is Dave Costa, the Renegade Aviator. But you already knew that. Listen to these little updates and we will come right back. Negative, sir. The aircraft is still at the gate. Oh, no. Okay, and I have no way to get you there, and they have not begun pushing yet. I will pull you when I can get you there, and the gate is actually available. I've been doing this for a long time. I will move you when I can get you there. Okay. We're running short of fuel. Under banana or Visual. I'm gonna make my dreams reality. 
business owners, now might be the best time to get a business aircraft. You think your company is too forward to afford a jet? Need more time? Want to get back home and see the family more often? Sick and tired of the cattle car way of flying with the airlines? In about 26 minutes, I can see if you would be a good fit for what we do at Renegade Jets. The call is free and without obligation. Let's talk. 888-366-5256. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away All right, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Costa, the renegade aviator in the last segment we talked about scary stories. Well, you know what? Back when I was flying freight in a Lear 25, we used to joke and say, you weren't working hard enough. You didn't scare yourself once a night. Beth, I'm sure you've had some scary incidents in aviation. Why don't you let our audience know uh, maybe one or two of them? Oh, yeah. There were some crazy experiences. I guess I'd start with uh, an interesting story. We, got a, we bought a Cub at the flight school, J3 Cub. And it was shortly after I'd had my private pilot's license and Rod, the owner of the flight school, he divided it up into shares. So you could buy a one-tenth share of a J3 Cub and then you could fly it whenever you wanted to. So I went in on that and loved the Cub, absolutely loved it. But a girlfriend of mine, she was actually a student. I was instructing at that point and she was my student. And we decided, hey, let's go, let's take a trip with the Cub. Nobody had ever had done that. And I said, let's go down to Atlantic City. And on the way, we'll go through the VFR corridor in New York and fly around the Statue of Liberty, which you could do then. I don't know if that's still, uh, I doubt that still. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to do it at, you know, at a low altitude. But anyway, yeah, so we thought, oh, look, and I, we'll do that. That sounds great. And we did that. The planning was poor, our, our planning. I will admit that. Nonetheless, there were some crazy things that happened, and that was where our fuel is getting low, and it was time to look for some place to stop to get gas. And we located a, an airport in New Jersey, oh, just over the river, after we'd flown through Connecticut, and it was called Ramapo Valley. And there it was, okay, we're going to land there. And we went to Ramapo Valley. We could not find it. And now it's dust. And why is it a problem with a cub at dusk? It has no electrical system, so we have no light, and we have to be on the ground before it's dark. So get to Ramapo Valley, can't find it, starting to panic, going around in circles, and then finally see it. And there were no lights. I went in for the approach, and right at about 200 feet at the uh, threshold of the runway, realized that something was very, very wrong. Well, to make a long story short, they had just bulldozed the whole airport that day. Whoops. <laughs> and it was just huge slabs of asphalt. So, <laughs> but we had to land. So I went around and I landed in the mud to the side of that bulldozed runway. And uh, fortunately, it was being turned into a condos, but there was a helipad there and they were still there and the pilots were still there with their helicopters. And they kind of bailed us out, gave us some fuel 
and got us on our way early, early the next morning so that the FAA would not see us. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, you know, of course, the FAA never is listening to this radio show. Actually, they no, but that was aviator stuff, right? So people today will go, oh, my God, right? And it probably was really, really scary when it happened. A couple of kudos, right? First of all, you're flying one of the coolest airplanes known to mankind is the J3 Cub. (laughs) (laughs) And actually going somewhere and doing something and that whole shared ownership of an aircraft, right? An instructor flying with a student, going places, doing things, really, really cool stuff. Beth, when we come back, we got one more segment here. I really want to talk about gel this all together because we can't do justice to your whole book in just an hour show. There's an end to this that I think people really need to read your book, and we'll talk about it briefly. So we'll come back right back as Dave Costa, the Renegade Aviator. One more segment, folks. Stay right there. Hey, let me take a quick minute here uh, to update you on our Jet Air Show demo. Our website is kind of a work in progress, and we're always looking for Renegade Aviator volunteer crew members. So hit me up through the website. We fly a solo jet demonstration in a Polish-built TS-11 Iskra. And Iskra means spark in Polish. This is a military jet that saw over 50 years of continuous military service. Very rare for military aircraft and a testament to the flying qualities of this jet. Our jet demo shows both low-speed and high-speed maneuvers from less than 100 miles an hour to over 500 miles an hour. Look for the Renegade Aviator, me, at an air show near you in 2020. We're in kind of a revamp and stand-down mode for the rest of 2019. We are putting three jets together, getting them painted, getting them all ready to go. So you will see us at air shows in 2020 and come up after my performance and say hello. I love meeting our fans, and I always make it a point that when I'm done flying, I come up to the show line shake hands, sign autographs. We're here for you. Come on out and see the Renegade Aviator. Go to renegadeaviator.com. Once I get you up there where the air is rarefied, we'll just glide. Hey, are you looking to buy or sell a jet aircraft? Give me a call, 888-366-5256. We can broker your current jet or turboprop, buyer's agents, management services that save you so much, it's like I'm working for free. Free consultations, of course. Call my office, leave a message, get my personal call back, 888-366-5256. Renegade Jets, what else would I call it? the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. All right, David Costa, Renegade Aviator. And as I said before, we were talking about a J-3 Cub that landed in an airport that was closed. We're talking to Beth Ruggiero, the author of Flying Alone, available October 14th. Once you get the airplane into a closed airport, Beth, how did you get it out of there? 
Well, very fortunately for us, there was one remaining taxiway. It was a very narrow taxiway, and it was also a short taxiway. (laughs) But that was our only choice, because as I had said, we landed in the mud, and it wasn't like there was a grass strip to uh, take off from. So we got up really early in the morning, taxied it out, took every inch we could, and took off from this short taxiway. Now, fortunately, because this was a cub, so it doesn't need a whole lot of takeoff runway's length, but it also, our cub didn't have the original 65 horsepower engine. It had been upgraded to a 100 horsepower engine, which lifted it off very quickly in all takeoffs. And so that got us out. But the feeling that we had, or that I had, as we came in to, on the approach and seeing this bulldozed runway, and then the helicopter pilot saying, oh yeah, it was just bulldozed today, (laughs) was very memorable, very memorable. Timing is always everything. So one day earlier would have been a non-story, right? So now you have a cool story to tell. Yeah, or even earlier in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Or what we say, could use the airplane again, nobody cried, nobody died, so it was a good day. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. And we did get through the VFR corridor that next morning, and we did do our circle of the uh, Statue of Liberty. And we didn't go on to Atlantic City, but we got the, the VFR corridor in. Well, Beth, you went through that. You spent time as a flight instructor. You did everything every pilot needs to do to get into the airlines, uh, even working in 135s. And kind of in the next couple of minutes, take us through that ride kind of quick, but then get, you know, you made it, you made it all the way to the airlines and kind of run through that because that's kind of the whole gist of this is making it through to your goals. Well, to get the time that I needed before an airline would even look at me, I needed about 3000 hours and I was non-military. So there were certain airlines that would never look at me, but to get those hours, that's the thing that every pilot struggles to do. And part 135 flying freight and passengers, but mostly freight, is how it all came about. And it was not, there were a lot of very frightening experiences through that time. But when I got to the point where I did have the hours to start looking over to the airlines, I applied to a bunch of them and uh, United. I interviewed with United and I interviewed with TWA. And that it was just such an exciting moment to be to have them fly me to St. Louis for an interview and then a ride in the kind of a check ride of sorts in um, a simulator. That was it. I'd met my goal and I'd reached what I considered the pinnacle. It was a very exciting time. Well, it is. And I need to state publicly. So there are pilots, right? And then there's aviators. So I would classify you as an aviator because of that movement through, right? Military pilots, nothing against military pilots, but, you know, they kind of have it easier to get into the airlines. I mean, granted, (laughs) you are coddled, you're trained, all the best money and fly cool airplanes. And so you came up uh, the right way, as we like to say, for those of us who are civilian pilots. And I guess that's what it is, right? It's all those challenges culminate into that achievement. And what words of advice, I guess, it's the best way, what words of advice can you give someone who's sitting there today loaded with excuses why they can't do something? What advice would you give to people that want to achieve great things in their lives? You have to be true to yourself. And if there's something that you see out there that you want to do, you want to accomplish, then be true to yourself and give yourself the fairest chance you can. Don't be negative and don't naysay your ability to do it. And 
even if you don't get to one goal, it can lead to many other goals that you would not have found if you hadn't moved forward. It's, it's all about moving forward. It really is because life may not give us what we expect, but you know, you, I'm sure, look back at your career and say, I did it. I'm sure you've got new horizons ahead, but you did it. And congratulations and congratulations on the book, Flying Alone. Beth, I can't thank you. It's been great talking to you and I hope to talk to you again. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. All right. And uh, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Club. You deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad for the gate agents because they try to get the boarding process to run smoothly, but no one will listen to them. Don't blame them. They try, they get on the intercom. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to begin boarding. If we could ask for your cooperation, would you all please remain seated until your row has been called? Everyone, please, please remain seated. Everyone, please back away from the gate. Please back away from the gate. Somehow, by the time that comes out the speakers, it must sound like, everybody up and rush the door. (laughs) Everyone, immediately try to squish your fat belt simultaneously in the small gate door area. Hurry. Push and shove, everyone. Push and shove. Do whatever you have to to get on board. This is the last helicopter out of Vietnam. I'm embarrassed to be human. I want to get on! You're going to get on. I want to get on before Why? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, coming up to the next break, but stay tuned. There's still more of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with me, David Costa, to come. Call my office. Take this phone number down, 888-366-5256. Why? Well, if you call in, I will give you a free Renegade Aviator Air Show Team decal for free, no charge, Leave your name and your address, and we'll send one out to you. And stay tuned through the break, because the last segment of my show is an important part. It's kind of where I try to sum up the show and give you a message each and every week. So the one-hour show goes quick. I promise we'll come back. Stay there. The commercial messages pay for all this. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. Be right back. After 10,000 hours of practice, the black belt is ready to begin learning. Do you want to be an elite level pilot or just someone who flies airplanes? Want to improve safety, have more confidence, enjoy flying more? Do you know any elite performer who does not use a coach? Thought so. 888-366-5256. Say, hey Dave, I want to be a black belt aviator and we'll send you the details. 888-366-5256. So Hey, 
you get on the plane. Pilot, of course, always has to come on the PA system. This guy's so excited about being a pilot, he can't even stand himself. Well, I'm going to take it up to about 20,000. Then I'm going to make a left by Pittsburgh. Then I'm going to make a right by Chicago. Then I'm going to bring it down to 15,000. You the whole route, all his moves. We're in the back going, yeah, fine, that's all. <laughs> you know, just do whatever the hell you got to do. I don't know. Questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations? Call the Renegade Aviator at 888-366-5256 anytime and leave us a message. Okay, we're back, final segment. And I wanted to sum up Flying Alone, a memoir by Beth Ruggiero. It's going to be available soon. Just call my office and we'll take care of you that way. Think of your own life and your own goals for a moment. Imagine that once you decided on your goal that you were given a roadblock that was a showstopper and ask yourself, would you quit or would you persist? Would you use that roadblock as an excuse that you would tell people about at parties for the rest of your life or would you push the throttles forward and continue? When you read Beth's story, you'll see that she continued You heard her speak of some of her journey on today's show. Her words, a remarkable story. You and I were blessed with the ability to write and to rewrite our stories every single day. So what will your story be? Will it be one of showing up, doing things, overcoming adversity, achieving all you can with what you have? Or will it be a story of excuses, blame, and regret. Beth's medical diagnosis, the one that stopped her from flying as a naval aviator at the beginning of this story, was the same medical diagnosis that ended her flying career as an airline pilot. And that's sad. But imagine if Beth had not continued despite the obstacle. There would be no memoir flying alone. Call my office, 888-366-5256, and I will give you a reminder when Beth's book is ready for release. It's a fun read, I promise you. I talk to people at air shows all the time with a dream to fly or a regret for not flying. If you want help to follow your flying passion, call my office. Leave a message, 888-366-5256. If you have an amazing story about flying, same deal, ladies and gentlemen. Call 888-366-5256. I am David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, grateful for this opportunity to talk each week. Renegade Aviator, clear for departure. Power set, break release. See ya. So peace to us.